And now, around the world and around the corner, it's the David Bowers Awards, bringing the best in indie music to millions of listeners worldwide with your host, the David Bowers. We've got a fantastic lineup of guests, as well as our engineer extraordinaire, Nick the Geek, our entire crew here at the Asylum, and me, I'm John Bon Jovial. And now, here's the voice of indie music, the David Bowers. Well, thank you very much there, the legendary John Bon Jovial, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome aboard for another hour of indie music and talk with the artists who make it. We've got an exciting and original show for you with some really interesting music from a, uh, well, from a prior guest of ours. We have a Native American uh, experimental artist, uh, Janiqui Medicine Bird is going to be with us in a little bit. First, we've got some other stuff, including a new installment of Rockstar 101 and, of course, the music, which is what it's all about. Here's Kristen Karma and Party Heroes.
And there she is, Kristen Karma. She's from Vancouver, British Columbia. She is now based out of Toronto, and she has, in addition to making a name for herself across Canada, she was selected to Indie Week 2018 in Toronto and also opened for Lady Gaga's official after party. Uh, at the Joanne World Tour in 2017 and opened for Akon at his golf uh, stop on his Canadian tour in 2017. Got called back to open again for uh, Lady Gaga, the DJ Lady Starlight at the official after party for Lady Gaga's The Born This Way Ball in 2013. So she's made a good, strong name for herself, and now she's starting to invade these United States. I have a sneaky suspicion that uh, you may be hearing more from Kristen Karma right here on the David Bowers Awards, where we've got that rock star 101 coming up. This is a show where every show is an award show, and that way every guest is an automatic official award winner. No nominations, no electing panels or anything. You just, uh, if you do something really great or really stupid, you uh, are deserving of an award and we'll give you one. So if you know someone in music who has done something exceptionally good or exceptionally dumb, let us know and uh, we'll create an award for them right here on the David Bowers Awards. We want to salute our house band, Titty Bingo, who provide our uh, theme music for us every week. And also provide some great old rock and roll. Check them out online at tittybingo.com. And we'd also like to thank and salute our friends in Rochester, New York, where they listen to us on WRFZ FM 106.3, Rochester Free Radio. And, of course, Mary Perry, our good friend, who is an accredited disability representative in Rochester. And uh, I may have to check with her for my disability, but, hey, she underwrites the David Bowers Awards on Rochester Free Radio. And we are eternally grateful for her support, as well as all our listeners out in Rochester. And, of course, you, our listeners around the world, without you all, we wouldn't be here. And coming up on the David Bowers Awards next, we've got Native American experimental rocker Janique Medicine Bird returning shortly. But first, another edition of Rockstar 101. And this time we're happy to have our own engineer, who is also a professional artist, sound and recording engineer, and instrumental instructor, Nick Rogers, joining us. And uh, we're going to talk about how to make it in the music world today. And specifically, I believe we're going to be talking about uh, an artist starting out with his own home recordings, or his or her own home recordings, I should say. Nick, come on in here and say hello. Hey, Dave. How you doing? Doing just great, thank you. How about yourself? Oh, doing well. Staying busy in the music world, buddy. Hey, I know you are. You're uh, you're a busy man. You're playing. I know you. I know you play with one or two groups, and uh, you're also doing your instructing. And we appreciate you taking the time to chat with us and talk about making it in the music business. And uh, specifically, I believe, as I said, you were going to talk about artists starting out with their own home recordings. Yeah, absolutely. So the days of going to a professional studio just to cut a demo is pretty much over. So being able to put together even just a basic home recording rig and just a little bit of knowledge, you can yield some pretty impressive results. It's a great way just to demo material, even as a songwriting tool, going in and starting to arrange things piece by piece so that by the time you do get to 
a full production studio, you're not having to work those things out on the clock. And that's pretty it's a pretty, small investment. A small investment. You know, yeah, I was going to say thousands and thousands. I was going to say that's pretty much like uh, like the song pitchers have been doing for years, where they'll go into a home studio or something and just do a rough out of the song that they're pitching and take that out to sell. Right, exactly. You know, even with just marginal instrumentation, uh, there's so many things that can be done just completely artificially. Everything from drums to piano to guitars, and we're even nearing the point where voice synthesis has gotten to the point it's not quite there yet but almost to the point where we can create that stuff artificially and not to mention auto-tune which uh, john loves to no end of course but, yeah right <laughs> it, it just I'd really like to... displays an untalented person's uh, lack of talent as far as i'm concerned yeah i know i'd like to get my hands on one of those i've always fancied myself as a singer and i would like to hear what i would sound like if i could sing so Anyway, what would well, you say? I'll tell you what, with, with, with auto-tune, I have a love-hate relationship with auto-tune. I hate it because it's ubiquitous, it's everywhere. Even people that don't need it are using it. Uh, but it's gotten me out of many a jam before, working with uh, less than stellar artists. I can understand that. And I, I kind of feel the same way you are, a love-hate both sides of the line on this one, because I love the fact that we have this technology that can do so much for us, but I don't love the fact that people are depending on it. I mean, if they want to, if they want to intentionally create music using uh, this as an auto-tune production, and they're saying, okay, here's what auto-tune can do, that's cool. But where they use it as a crutch, that's, that's a total another thing for me. But uh, going back to your uh, discussion of the artist starting out, what would an, what does an artist really need? The basics, the bare basics. If I was going to go out and cut a demo to go out and pitch, what would I need in my home? First things first, you got to have a decent computer, which you know, even an entry-level computer can run recording software fairly well. The days of needing to go spend three and four thousand dollars on a souped-up PC or Mac are pretty much over. Uh, I myself am a Mac guy, uh, mainly just because that's what I'm trained on. It's what I've been using for years and years, and I'm comfortable on, on the platform. If I were just starting out, or I were giving advice to someone just starting out, I would say, in all honesty, maybe go the PC route. You can get something for a little less money with, in some cases, higher specs. And most people are familiar with, with how to use PCs. A lot of people have Android phones. Uh, and just about everybody knows how to use a basic PC. They've got them in their pockets. Right, exactly. But it, ha but it has to start there. It has to start there. Um, the days of grabbing a four-track recorder, and recording to a cassette or even a CD, that's long since passed. You have to be computer literate in order to be able to do this. Exactly, and that's an important thing. What would you say, what are some of the basic requirements as a, okay, I'm a novice. I, I do, I, I play around at, uh, you know, local events and everything. I'm going to set up my own studio to see if I can actually make a recording. Now you've mentioned the uh, basic computer we need. Uh, what kind of a microphone should I be looking at? Well, that's, that's kind of a loaded question. I'm glad you asked it. Um, a lot of that depends on the type of room that you're recording in. You know, most of the time if we're recording in a home, we're working in a bedroom. 
or we're working in a garage. And oftentimes the acoustics there are, are not ideal. Anytime that you have parallel walls that, that meet at a right angle, you're going to have issues with sound reflection, where the instrument, the actual physical sound wave, is going to bounce off of the wall. And that just turns into garbage in the track most of the time. So I would say even before picking up your microphone, treat your room. It's really not that expensive to do. Uh, it's, it's a critical step, um, but it's also an often overlooked step. People are like, oh, well, I just need to get a good microphone and then it won't matter. Sure. Well, in all honesty, if you get a good microphone, something that's very sensitive, that's just going to completely uh, overemphasize the problem. It's going to matter more. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. And you actually took away my next question, which was going to be about the room. Uh, but John Bon Jovial, you're sitting there all too quietly. Wake up and uh, join the conversation. <laughs> oh, I, I, no, I'm here. I'm taking it all in. Uh, and you pretty much uh, asked the question that I wanted to about uh, the microphone in relation to the room. Uh, but also, you know, you've got to take into consideration as well the ceiling. Uh, you know, sometimes you, a ceiling can have just as bad of a mirror effect up against the floor. And uh, that has been Absolutely. my, uh, yeah, that has been my experience back in the old days of doing radio production. And uh, finally, the engineer got his act together and uh, put foam throughout the, all over the ceiling, all over the walls, and really deadened the room. The deader the room, the better the, uh, the demo was going to be. That's very true. You know, if you go into a professional studio, oftentimes they'll have a live room. And that live room has been treated to sound a certain way. It may not be completely dead. In fact, it may be very live with a lot of reflection. But the room has been tuned to sound that way. Your bedroom has not. So it's always better in a home situation to try to deaden as much as possible. And then if you need to create space later on, create it artificially using effect. Uh, since, since not all of us are blessed with having round rooms uh, to go and <laughs> rehearse in, and uh, obviously a lot of the starters are, you know, the newcomers who are just, just going out and starting up uh, don't have huge funds backing them. What do, you, what do you see as the most practical way to treat a room to create adequate sound? Well, I'll tell you what I've done in my own personal home studio, and that's uh, create baffles. So what I've done is use uh, industrial-grade air conditioning fiberglass insulation. You know, the stuff that's cheap, you can get it at any AC supply house. Attach that to wooden panels, cover it with fabric. And I use that, those as paneling to alleviate the, the right angles. It's inexpensive, and it wouldn't be, uh, you'd be surprised at just how well it works. You and go into a guitar center or something like that, and they're going to sell you a package of foam for two, $300, and it's not going to be half as good. Awesome. That's, that's very good to know. We're almost out of time here in the moments that we have left, Nick. Uh, do you have any summary, a, uh, a basic summation of what you would advise other than, you know, going out and hiring you to come and set them up with the studio? Do you have a, a summary of what you would advise someone who is just starting out to do package deal? Get a decent computer, get a decent audio interface. Your audio interface is just an input box. Think of it like a glorified external sound card. Think about how many microphones you're going to need running at a time. 
If you're a guitar player singer, you only need one or two. If you're a drummer, obviously you're going to need many more. Think about the needs for your particular application and then go from there. Um, the biggest thing I would recommend, you know, I went to recording school, but that was a long time ago. Uh, at the time, there was no YouTube. Now there's so many resources out there. Just study over and over and over. And a lot of it's trial and error. Just go in there and start experimenting. Listen to what sounds good to you and then backtrack and see what you did. Let it become right. part of your workflow. Very good. But YouTube is one of the best resources out there for that. Uh, I agree, and there are so many resources there that, yeah, get online and uh, and search, and then, of course, trial and error after that. Nick Rogers, thank you so much for joining us with your invaluable advice and your experience sharing it with us. Thank you for uh, engineering our show all the time, too. So happy to oh, have you. My pleasure. Come, come back and see us again, Nick. Thank you so much. And Thank moving right along, we're going to hear from our next guest, Janiqui Medicine Bird, who will be joining us right after we listen to Native Rock.
Well, there you have it. That's Janiqui Medicine Bird, who has been with us before. She's back with us once again with a um, actually a double-barrel treat for us. She's got two albums out now. One actually led to the other. And, well, let's let her tell you about it. Ladies and gentlemen, here she is, Janiqui Medicine Bird. Hello there. Hi. How you doing? I'm fine. Nice and sunny here in Colorado. Wonderful. Yeah, well, we've got some sun down here. I think you're probably a little cooler than we are, but, hey, that's uh, that's Colorado for you. You've got two albums out, and you were telling me, well, we'll take it one step at a time, but one album led to another. Tell us first, if you will, about the first album with Journey. Um, yes, the first first album with Journey, um, I, uh, I, I play in a lot of places and, um, um, different places and whatever. And I, uh, a lot of people don't know that I actually play music. They, they like me to come and they like me to do like the Indian thing and do drumming and singing. And I can do that. But, um, I started playing music when I was young and start composing when I was 12. And so I play my own musical instrument. So I've always wanted just to do one album that was just uh, instrumental. And so the song Journey um, that I did, when, it, when, I, when I created it or whatever, I, I got the idea or whatever. See, I had, I, I had a number of songs already. It, it's like I'm always a year behind or whatever because the way I tweak my, my music and, and I, um, I save it or whatever uh, and tweak it and whatever to a time that I'm ready to uh, release it and, 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 and create the album. So, so, so Journey came out, actually, uh, I was thinking instrumental, and so then, then I um, created, that, created that song. But I use a lot of things um, in my music, and a lot of people say, well, your music is different. Well, it, yeah, it is, because, you know, it, it, it comes from the influences that, that you have as, you, as you're growing up or whatever, and mine is kind of like eclectic. It's kind of like a classical in a way, and it's also kind of rock in a way, and then also uh, a little folk. And one guy said, well, then you're folk rock. And I said, well, maybe I am, you know. But I also do Native American kind of traditional music too, so it's kind of a little bit of destiny is a little bit of of, of that type of music, and then it's also um, um, kind of like a collaboration mix-up of um, different kind of indigenous music. Um, one of the, I think two of the songs, or one of the songs actually has a Hindu influence in it. So, so different types of cultural kind of influences um, are in that Destiny album. So that's how I went to the next one. Um, Infinite Web um, is mostly instrumental. And so I play guitar. I play like, you know, I over I overlap my music with different sounds with uh, violin and, and then uh, keyboards. And I try to stay away from... Unless I can, unless I get beats that I feel like it's a beat, then I will stay away from maybe um, the beat so that the, the the music will be fluid. And so, like one of the songs um, on the second um, CD, which is Infinite Web, 
starts off with just a basic fruit song, and then it ended up, uh, when I was done with it, it ended up something different. I think it sounded like, uh, you know, the 1930s big band era, one of the songs, so that was right. how I did it. <laughs> okay, well, we're going we're gonna to start with the, uh, let's make sure that I get the right one. We're going to start with the, uh, the first album, the Journey album. We're going to play the title cut from that in just a moment. But John Bon Jovial, you've been waiting to jump in here. Yeah, uh, Janique, I just wanted to ask you, you had hit on something about the influences of your music. And one of the questions that I always like to ask our guests is, you know, who their musical heroes are and uh, or, or who could be a muse, if you will, because you mentioned uh, rock and classical and you mentioned uh, folk music. And, uh, you know, I don't want to necessarily try to categorize you as one type of musician or another, but I would like to know who has influenced you to get to a point in your life where you are now to make this beautiful music. Um, starting off when I was young, um, I liked uh, Lisa Manelli, Liza Manelli and Judy Garland when I was young, and, and I liked Barbara Streisand and... I liked uh, Engelbert Humperdinck, and I liked to, uh, so, and then I grew up with the Beatles, and and I loved the Beatles uh, since I was real young. Matter of fact, I collected all their music, and then, but I don't, but I don't know if my music, is, you can see the Beatles in my music or whatever, but um, I just, I just like their, their, their willingness to take a risk and make a change in their own music, you know, to make it make it their own and I saw that with the Beatles they 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 didn't worry about um sticking to one type of uh genre they 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 just ex- kind of experiments kind of flow with the music right. and whatever they when they were creating through time and I kind of like that and that's what I wanted just for me was just to create based on okay like a feeling I have and and or maybe I'm thinking about something and um, that sort of thing. And I didn't want to really do, because I can do really, um, uh, like music that's, uh, uh, crying, you know, like you're c- crying bar music, you know, like you're right, really, sure. crying in your beard, you know, depressed yeah. or something. <laughs> right. Yeah, crying exactly. in your well, kind of music. <laughs> well, we, we learned from the last time you were on here that you have definitely done, uh, part at least of what you set out to do. And that is be yourself, create your own sound. You definitely don't follow any particular formula as far as genres or style of music. And uh, if you want to classify it, I sort of would have to classify it as, uh, well, let's see, alternative, Native American, folk, rock, pop, uh, electro. Uh, did I get them all? Or is don't, there don't get too specific there. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, let's let the music talk for itself. From the album Destiny, here is Ginny Quay, Medicine Bird. It's called The Journey.
Janiqua Medicine Bird. That's called The Journey from her album Destiny. She's here with us today telling us about her musical journey, which has taken her through some interesting things. And we're going to get more into that as uh, as the afternoon wears on or evening, depending on what time you're listening to us. Janiqua, tell us a little bit now about how you developed the sound that you're using in your music. How I developed the sound? Um, yes. You, but, I was just going to say, um, you have an original sound, so we'd be curious as to how you came up with it. Oh, yeah. So um, I have a, um, a new thing that I have with my music now. I, at first, I use a Presonus, um, a Presonus uh, app. I have a Presonus app, and then I have one, and I have a whole... Um, mixer, um, Presonus mixer, but somehow when I'm using the condenser mic and I went to the Presonus mixer and into the into the computer app, um, it it just uh, it, it sounded okay or whatever. But then I added an interface in it, and so that that the clarity with the sound sounded so much better and so much easier to mix it all together in the sound, and so I. I um, I saw that a lot of the young uh, young people that create music they like that bass stuff. Well, boom, boom, boom. Yes, and right. I was like, well, yeah. I want to add some bass, but I don't want it to be overkill. You know, I don't like just that. You know, you I don't like the straight bass, and some of it's really hard, kind of harsh. But then I said, then I started out making something that was like I wanted to to make it go like a wave, you know, like a wave. And it has like a, because I'm a composer, so you start off like with, with a wave, and it has this little ups, it has its downs, and it goes back up and and that way. And then finally it has like a crescendo, like boom, like, and then it goes, and then it goes to the conclusion of the song. So to me it's like a wave in how I was composing, you know. Music is like a, it, it sparks your imagination and a feeling and oh, emotion. Very definitely. Yeah, very mm-hmm. definitely. Now, you, you mentioned uh, something that, uh, or, or I ran across it somewhere. I think you mentioned it, but uh, I'd like for you to explain to us because I've been in music most of my life in one form or another, and a lot of people have, but this is one that was new to me. I had never heard of the Fibonacci scales. What are they? Uh, the Fibonacci scales are kind of like the the, the original sounds uh, uh, of the universe, and and they're kind of like uh, they go with sacred geometry. They go with the frequencies that are healing frequencies. When you hear the sound, it 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 sparks your brain. It sparks your emotion or whatever. It can heal heal you. So I started out that, of course, I'm a doctor and I do research and whatever. But I really got into it during my doctor at the end because I was a, a statistician in numbers. And so, and I found out how everything is connected. Sound is connected to, you know, vibration. And and, and I was really going to do my dissertation on sound. But so the Fibonacci scale is kind of like in, in, in a lot of people. I heard you talking about um, Lady Gaga, and I heard even Madonna, Madonna um, in mm-hmm. her, like, best hits or whatever. They actually... Um, if you play music a long time, you kind of like memorize the sound, actually, and they play naturally the Fibonacci scale. And so you start off with one instrument and you go down about 13, um, uh, what do you call it, 13 marks, and then you start another sound and then you, you blend in another sound based on that Fibonacci scale, like a 1, 5, and 13. So that's what I did with um, 
um, with Destiny, there's a, a song in there called um, Two Stars. Um, Two Stars, and so that was based strictly on my birthday and um, my Asan, my Asani's birthday. And, and I knew, because we are a nine together, that it would uh, make a complete melody. So in that song, it's a complete melody. And so that's why I call it We Were Two Stars, because we were connected and it completed a whole melody. So, so it's really, really kind of cool, because they say that a lot of the famous singers or whatever, which sparks their notoriety is that the way they set up the song that kind of like sparks that feeling, sparks that something in you, um, uh, in that feeling. So that's why I've been doing, um, practicing with the Fibonacci scale and making the, the sounds that are actually soothing to your brain that incites positive emotion. So that's how I did it. Awesome. That's, that's, that's an awful lot to swallow and digest. It. And that's something we have to think about, but it's very interesting. I'm glad you explained it. We're going to go to a track off that second album right now. This is Infinite Web. <laughs> Thank you.
infinite web. That's Janiqui, Janiqui medicine bird. I'm having trouble with my tongue. I, I was trying to explain to myself what you uh, said in the last part about the Fibonacci scales, and uh, it didn't work. All I did was got my tongue caught in my eye tooth, and I couldn't see what I was saying. But uh, <laughs> some great creative music, and I am I am really I, I'm really impressed with the how original a sound you not just the original songs but the original sound you have created that's uh it's really something special and i'll <laughs> i'll avoid the old uh <clears throat> the old cliche expression that's a feather in your cap because i think it would be totally inappropriate <laughs> and, uh, yet you said it anyway but Janique, uh, thank you so much. We are so happy to have you here with us and uh, not only sharing the music, but explaining it to us. Now, you had told us that the first album, the track on that, The Journey, was one that had inspired you to come up and actually do the instrumental album. So tell us, if you would, please, about the development of your instrumental album. Um, well, the... The instrumental album, I've got the CD right here, um, it, it was just kind of, just a flow um, of, of music, and um, I started out with a song called Two Moons, and actually, it just kind of like a, uh, kind of, it's kind of like a web, you know, that connects all together. And I wanted all the songs to connect somehow together, but I also wanted it to be um, kind of native oriented and so I added flute and I added the hand drums and but I also wanted to be more kind of like uh, classical kind of uh, you know part of instrumental you know when you're coming out with the songs is whatever and I was raised classical it, is that you that you capture those classical moments where the music really really sounds good in your ear and and, and although native music, you know, it had, it's like a heartbeat of the Mother Earth, um, um, I also wanted to include that part in it, but I also wanted to um, show uh, my love for, you know, instrumental music, classical, if you will, and, and, and then just mixing it together, you know, with a, with a good flow, like synergy. <laughs> Gotcha. Now, how how many of the instruments did you play? Did you play all of the instruments on there, or did you have help? Um, no, I never. I, I don't. I'm a one woman band, so when I ask to play music, sometimes I'll just have a pre recorded music and I play along with it because gotcha. I do play all the music. I add in also um, some computer generated uh, um, sounds, um, but mostly um, I play like. Um, one of the songs, uh, I thought you would like Native Rock. I said, David would like that song, Native Rock, because yes, I, we did. I did like, yeah, that's I did why three, we like, lap, uh -huh. I I did that three overlaps I, of guitar. Ah, uh, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was just going to say that's that's why we played that first because I thought it would be a good transition from pop rock 
to uh, the music that you're doing. And uh, yes, that was one of my first thoughts. John Bon Jovial, you had a thought. I yeah, I, this is not necessarily anything to do with the music, Janique. But I can in in the few remaining minutes that we have left. Can you tell me or tell uh, David and I uh, just uh, a little bit of uh, your your tribal background? Tell tell us about your tribe and, and its history and and, uh, and and that kind of thing. Um, my my tribal background. Um, I'm enrolled at my mother's tribe, but I never lived there um, in Northern Michigan in Bay Mills. Um, and so just a little bit. Uh, it's a little. Um, um, tribe they used to have more land but it's reduced down to just a small piece of land or whatever but um nevertheless uh, uh it is a tribe and um there and so the cultural background or whatever was always in me um and my my mother and my father they kind of um they influenced me from from when i was really small because my my brothers and my sisters more or less my older siblings took care of me as a child and so my, um, but the, also the cultural revolution came in the 70s. And when Wounded Knee happened, I remember as a, a young teen, um, Wounded Knee 1973, and, that, and, and then the number 1968, I was, in De- I was south of Detroit in one of the suburbs. I was living there. And so it was like a cultural kind of revolution there. And then people be- started to eat re-enculturate their culture so that, um, and, and then teach their children about the culture. But many of the children that, like in the 1970s or whatever, um, who were taken and they were gone to boarding schools and they were, um, whatever, they were, they, they had to relearn the culture from the, and go back to the reservations sure. to the elders. And so yeah. it was kind of like a, um, that's what, what it came out of. And so, um, my culture um, came out in the nineteen in the nineteen seventies. It was kind of like before then. It felt like I was a stereotyped Indian, and I felt actually embarrassed to be a native um, as growing up as a child because um, the influence of natives in South Detroit. I didn't even know the Indians existed there. You know, I I, um, I grew up with Spanish people or black people, so I I didn't. So, so it wasn't until like in my teens and twenties, I started researching my ancestors and my family, and just like it took years to re uh, re um, establish, oh, you know, my tribal identity. Well, sure, we're, we're I, glad I can did. relate to what you're talking. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I can did. relate to what you're talking about, though, because where I'm from in upstate New York, we have the United Nation, and uh, they have had for several years now, I'm going to say probably a decade at least, uh, they've had a program where they are not only reestablishing their culture, but they are teaching it to the upcoming generations so that it is, uh, it's learned and preserved. And I think that's a wonderful thing. I think we all should uh, do something like that. And I do understand and I can empathize with what you went through, the culture shock and the well, as you said, sometimes even being almost embarrassed about your uh, your culture, and I think that's uh, I think that it's wrong that that happened. But I think that it's good that you were able to overcome it. I really uh, I'm really proud of you and and happy for you for doing that. And I'm being signaled that we're just about out of time. So I want to thank you again so much for being here with us today. And uh, 
Wish you the very best. I hope you do come back and see us again. Understand you're going to be uh, incredibly busy the next few months, so take good care of yourself and keep in touch. Let us know what's going on with you and your music, if you would, please. Thank you very much for having me on your show. You're absolutely welcome. Thank you for sharing with us. And now, ladies and gentlemen, here's Janique Medicine Bird from her album Destiny with My Tribal Ways.
That's about all the time we have for this week, ladies and gentlemen. You can get Janaki's music on um, SoundCloud <laughs> and, and I think iTunes is, uh, yeah, is there. It's Janiki, not Janaki. Janiki. Yeah, I, I said it wrong. Okay. All right. Let's do it again. All right. Here and we go. Sorry four. about that, Nick. Okay. In three, two, one. Janiqui Medicine Bird, ladies and gentlemen. You can find her online all over the place, and uh, I'll give you the spelling of her name in a second. You can find her new music on kunaki.com. That's K-U-N-A-K-I.com. And her older music you'll find on Apple, iTunes, all the usual places. It's free on SoundCloud as well. Her name is Janiqui, J-I-I-N-I-I-K-W-E, Medicine Bird. You'll find her online. Thanks for spending the time with us and listening to the music. We're happy to have you with you. We'll see you again next week. John Bon Jovi will take us home. Well, folks, you've done it again. You've spent another perfectly good hour listening to the David Bowers Awards. And we are forever grateful that you come back to us each and every week. The David Bowers Awards is broadcast around the world from the studios of Computer Help USA in Naples, Florida, and also from the Valley of the Sun in Tempe, Arizona, and is available for free on Blog Talk Radio, also on YouTube, iHeartRadio, iTunes, Spreaker, all the usual places that you get your podcasts. Be sure to click the follow link on our Blog Talk Radio page. And also be sure to follow us on Twitter and on Facebook. Join us next week for the David Bowers Awards Saturday at 12 p.m. Eastern on WRFZ FM 106.3. That's Rochester Free Radio. And, of course, on Blog Talk Radio Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific and 7 p.m. UTC for more great indie music and talk with the artists that make it happen. So until next week, for The David Bowers and Nick the Geek, our wonderful engineer, I am John Von Jovial saying we'll see you next week right here on The David Bowers Awards.